0: Uh, some fantastic stuff happening. Uh, you know, it's the middle of summer, and this is really encouraging to see everybody here. I mean, wow, dang, what a good day, huh? Kind of fun. Um, yeah, summer slump, no more. Um, so uh, one of the biggest things that we've got going on this summer is our July 4th Independence at Cane Bay event. We're, we're, we're involved in this, more than involved in this. We actually, you know, put this thing on. And the reason why we do it is just to, to love on our community, to share with them something, that to bring everybody together for something huge, for something big, and we've been doing this since our very beginning, uh, and so we, we we need volunteers to make that happen, to just love on people, to, to share with them, to, to register for them the, the event, to just help them. Uh, we're, we're anticipating thousands of people, 6,000 people showed up last year. I mean, we're anticipating a huge crowd, big fireworks show, and it's going to be fantastic, and so uh, there, our only token of grace to you as a volunteer is to give you this really cool shirt. looks kind of like this, and uh, and uh, I've been wearing mine around, and uh, people are like, what is AME Rica? Um, so, is there, is there like an AME church? AME, I've never even heard of that church. Um, so, uh, but anyway, uh, ask your mom, and she'll tell you what it says. Um, so, Anyway, it's a really cool shirt uh, back in the back uh, way in our lobby. You can pick one of those up and sign up to volunteer. Uh, we need as many people as possible to put this thing on. It's a huge deal, uh, and it's just an opportunity for us to love and share with our community to, to bless every man, woman, and child. And that's that's our vision for this church. About uh, a couple months ago, we put uh, we put together a, a five-year plan for the church at Cane Bay. Uh, we believe that we are responsible for ten mile, for a 10-mile radius around this area to reach every single man, woman, and child with the gospel and give them multiple opportunities to hear, see, and respond to that gospel. Now, uh, how we're going to do that is a whole another story, and has a lot of details. And our plan is that we, in five years we want to see 1,100 people in worship uh, through 60 missional communities on four or five uh, different campuses. And we've identified uh, we've identified four or five neighborhoods around us uh, that we want to purposely plant missional community clusters. I know that that's a huge that's a lot of pastoral terms, so I apologize for all that. But we want to plant missional community clusters inside of these different neighborhoods that will one day. Blow blossom into a worship service that looks kind of like this Uh, our first neighborhood is the devon forest neighborhood which is right uh, as you go to goose creek on 176 lots of homes in there with not a huge church presence and so uh, we had a huge event there a movies event there a couple weeks ago went really well there's like 450 people 500 people there and out of that we got we had several families that responded out of that group that said hey we want to be a part of this missional community that's going to serve uh devon forest elementary school and so uh, really pumped about what's going on. We've got another event coming, on at, uh, coming up in August that those families are going to be a part of. Probably need your help with that as well uh, so that we can start that new missional community there. So there's a lot of things happening. I'm pumped about it. I'm really excited. Now, a lot of you ask me, uh, so when are we going to have some kind of permanent facility for the church at Cane Bay? And that's a very, very good question, and you've been very patient with us. So let me give you a few de- details about that right now. Uh, we are working with the developer of Cane Bay. We're in conversation with him to come up with a concept that works uh, financially, ministerially for our church. Uh, and it's a little bit difficult. We're in huge financial times right now where it takes a lot of money to do anything. Uh, and so we are hoping to do something that's budget conscious for our church, that works with our mission uh, and all that stuff. So we're working with the developer right now to produce something that might work. So a concept. And our hope is that by the end of this month, and you can pray for this, uh, by the end of this month, we do have a solid concept on paper. And then by August or September uh, I might be able to stand up here and share with you that concept, uh, kind of displaying all the numbers what this thing might look like for a future uh, permanent facility for the church of Cane Bay. So we're pretty excited about that. so basically I'm saying I don't have anything to show you right now, but I'm going to that's, that's what I'm saying right now uh, so that's that's the plan. we've kind of put some deadlines and some goals in front of us, and I'm really pumped about that. So uh, we believe that the Holy Spirit of God is moving within this community. I think it's evident by today and uh, we want to see God do more and more work not only in this community but other communities as well and so and we're just focused in on what God's doing through his spirit in this community now we've been working through uh the book of acts this summer which are the acts of the spirit this holy spirit of God so if you have a bible want you to open it uh, Acts chapter 3 uh, you're probably one of these cool people that has your Bible on your phone if you have the Bible app uh, you can follow along with our notes or with, uh, with the scripture on your on your phone or we would love to give you an actual copy of the Word of God at the connect table uh, and you can jump up and get one if you would like if all else fails it will be up on the screen for you to read uh, but I hope that you'll come and, and take some notes and follow along with me but we are uh, <clears throat> we've been following along in the book of Acts from chapter 1 verse 1 and what we have seen is that we see the story of jesus christ the son of god who is perfect in every way crucified on the cross for our for, for our sins replaced us on the cross and died on the cross for our sins and then he resurrected to to life to give us eternal life and so we see this in the first chapter in acts where he tells his people his followers now this grace This substitution of sin is available for everyone in the entire world. And you are going to be my messengers. You are going to be the people who bring this good news to everyone. And I'm going to commission you to do that. But he says, you'll have to wait. Because I'm going to provide you a tool. I'm going to provide you a resource that you will need to accomplish the task. And that is the Spirit of God is going to go with you. So they wait. And then on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, we see that the Spirit descends onto His people in a miraculous, divine way. We actually sang about that in that that song. Remember that? Okay, you guys sang that with me? All right, we actually sang about that as the mighty rushing wind of God, symbolic of the Spirit filling his people and making them bold to proclaim the gospel. So that happens. Peter stands up, preaches the first uh, sermon in the book of Acts, and basically what he says is, this Jesus who you crucified, you people who are listening to me, uh, has died for you. And you need to repent and receive his salvation, right? And that day, 3,000 people were saved at that very moment, starting this huge church in Jerusalem. It's fantastic, right? So a couple days go by, and then you have some of the leaders of that church, Peter and John, some of the disciples of Jesus. They were going into the temple on a normal day, and there was a lame beggar who had been crippled from birth, who had never been able to walk or run or do anything, He was at the gate asking for money as he did every single day. Peter and John looked at him and said, we don't have any gold or silver, but what we do have, we have the power of God that rests within us and you can have that. And so they display miraculous power of Jesus and it heals the man. He is able to stand, walk, run, and we see him just gallivanting around the temple with Peter and John. It's a fantastic story. And so at this moment, there's tons of people who are just astounded by this because they had seen this man for years at the gate. They knew that he couldn't walk. They knew that he couldn't run. But now they're seeing him do both of those things. Astounded by this. How could this possibly be? And there's no other reason to to believe that this is happening besides the power of God. So we pick up the story right there in Acts chapter 3, uh, verse 11. While he clung, meaning the man, clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? And why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets, that that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Verse 19, this is super important, so focus in here. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. People were utterly amazed at this miraculous sign. And Peter stands up and begins to proclaim the goodness of the gospel. Very much like exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2. It's almost a repeat. It's, it, it is wash, rinse, repeat. I mean, it's basically the Holy Spirit descends in Acts chapter 2, a miracle happens, and Peter stands up, talks about Jesus, says almost the same thing verbatim, and calls people to repentance. So, okay? Okay. Acts chapter 3, this miraculous sign happens. Peter stands up, says the same exact thing as he said in Acts chapter 2, and calls people to repentance. It's the same message. Now, let me give you a little secret. We do that, too, at the Church of Cane Bay. We bang the same drum every single week, just to be honest. We talk about Jesus, and we like to talk about Jesus a lot. And we proclaim the same gospel in the same way every single week because we believe that it's the, life, it's the life-giving the life news of, of, that's going to restore people's souls, and there's nothing else that will do that. And so we want to do that. We want to proclaim the same thing. So Peter knows this. Peter knows there's nothing else I could say. This is what you need. You need repentance, and you need Jesus to forgive you. That's what you need. And so I'm not going to change the message I'm going to say the same exact thing that 3,000 people the other day got saved. I'm going to say the same thing today. Here's what's great: is he does add just a little bit more that I really want to focus on today because it's it's fun and it's really encouraging. It's pretty challenging. Okay, he focuses in now in in Acts chapter three, verse nineteen. He says, "Repent and turn, turn again." That's the kind of climax core of his message. Repent. Now, we don't use the word repent or repentance very often in our normal conversation. Nobody uses that word until you get to church, right? So what does the word repentance mean? Repentance means that you're headed in a certain direction towards sin, towards evil, towards wrongdoing, something that you shouldn't do, that your conscience tells you for certain that you shouldn't do something. And repentance means that you turn around and you walk the other way. Or it means simply that you reorient your life or reorder your life to get away from sin. There's repentance that happens there, okay? And it's not just stopping doing something. Most of the time we think about repentance as just like, okay, I'm just gonna stop it. Kinda, I mean, that's an element of it. It's not just stopping walking towards your sin. It's actually stopping and turning around and heading in the other direction. Okay? So there's a big difference between just stopping doing something and actually changing. There's transformation that happens. So you know, it's putting away anger and replacing with kindness. It's putting away lust and replacing with righteous thoughts. It's putting away lies and replacing it with truth. There's, there's a giving away and then there's a taking on of the new. Right? But here's normally our stereotype of repentance. Repentance. Normally, when we think about repentance, it's the the mean preacher on the street corner saying, repent or you're going to burn, right? That's the stereotype. Repentance, that's what you all need. Repent or you're all going to go to hell, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's the story that we think of when we think about repentance and the big pitchforks and signs and stuff, right? But that's not Peter's heart here. Peter's heart is different. He does use that word repent. But what he follows it with is this beautiful, encouraging, loving, caring, graceful message. And that's what I really want to focus in on today. Verse 19 uh, through 21. Uh, Repentance is when we look at our sin, our sin is ugly. It's evil. It causes, and when we think about repenting of that sin, whatever that is, It causes great anxiety. It causes avoidance. We don't want to repent of our sin. We don't want to let it go. It's ugly, and we don't want to deal with it. But here's the good news of the gospel, is that when we do repent, it's beautiful on the other side. So in 2008, um, me and Adrian found out that we were going to have our first baby, right? And... We, it was exciting. It was, I was pumped about it. And uh, we tried we, you know, for a little bit, and, and finally got that positive pregnancy test. And I mean, it was a big moment. Woohoo! I mean, I mean she she comes in, and she's just crying, you know, the, you know, the dirty, nasty, ugly cry. I mean, there's tears everywhere. And she, like, jumps in my arms. You oh, know, hey, I'm pregnant. Isn't that awesome? It's great. And we just have this moment and pray together. I mean, she's thanking God for what he's doing. We tell all our parents. We're so excited about what's going on we're going to have this first baby and uh, and she was beautiful. Reagan, she's 5 years old now and I mean, she's just a wonderful wonderful little girl. And uh and so, uh, you know, you know, we have our first baby trying to figure out this whole diaper thing, trying to figure out how to be new parents. Just you got this infant. You don't want to like break her, you know, you're going to feel like you're going to you just drop her or whatever, you know. So, she's, you know, 5 6 months old and I come home and I, you know, Adrian's like, here, and she hands me my six-month-old little daughter, and she has the ugliest T-shirt on. I mean, it's just ugly. I'm like, what, what am I, why are you wearing this ugly T-shirt? And on it, it says, I'm the big sister, right? And I'm like, "Uh, oh, that's good. And I'm like, I'm like yay, yay, I'm six months old. <laughs> Say so. I'm the math. We're gonna have another baby. Okay, so, um, and so we, you know, we had another baby. They're 15 months apart. So we had a, you know, a one-year-old and a baby. Yeah, you know, right? and uh, you know, things progress. A couple more months, and uh, you know, Haddon is another wonderful kid. And um, so we had them two, and they're very close together. So we had a one-year-old and a two-year-old. And uh, and I get home one day, and I, uh, you know, <laughs> greet <laughs> greet my wife at the door, and she says. Guess what? Pregnant again. <laughs> and I said, hey, hey, hey. really? <laughs> um and uh and, and it's I don't know, I think we're just incredibly fertile. I, every time we wash our underwear together, we get pregnant. So it um <laughs> um and like people, people are like, you do know what causes that, right? And I'm like, I missed that day in gym class. Um so um uh, you know we're, it's it, you know it was tough though I mean that third baby i mean you 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 move from like man on man to zone defense at that point like you 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 have a third child uh and and I was really nervous like i the whole pregnancy you know, I was stressed. We were just, we were, we were on the cusp of starting this church. And um, it, was, it was, there was a lot of anxiety. And I did not know how it was going to go when this baby pops out. Like, how are we going to handle this? I don't have more than two arms. How am I going to do this? And there was just a lot of, uh, there was actually in my heart a lot of avoidance. I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. I'm freaking out a little bit in my head. And then it happens. And there's, there's beauty on the other side. She looks like this. Um, uh, that's, that's our third kid, Leela, and so she uh, and I wouldn't have it any other way. There's beauty on the other side of this thing. And I was so anxious, and, and so how am I going to handle this? How is it going to go? And so what I want to look at today is, is, is Peter says, "Repent." He tells people, commands people to repent, and repentance is difficult. Putting away your sin is difficult. It always is for me. But Peter gives such grace and tells you this is what happens when you do repent. This is what happens on the other side. And so I've got three things that I want you to, if you've got some notes, if you've got a pen, I want you to copy these things down. I've got three things that are gonna, we're, we're going to just discuss. What is, what is beautiful on the other side of repentance, okay? So, number one, and this is the basic stuff. Number one, beautiful repentance gives forgiveness. Beautiful repentance gives forgiveness. You were created by God. You were created by a loving God. He knit you together. You weren't evolved from monkeys, okay? Just news flash, that didn't happen. You were created by God, knit together in your mother's womb. He knows everything about you. He knows your soul. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows every molecule that makes up your body. You have a, a sovereign God who's all-powerful and knows you. But we are separated from him because of sin, because of evil. And when there is a great chasm between God and us. And the reason why that great chasm exists is because of our sin. And we have all fallen to that, same, to that same idea of sin. And the Bible says that what's fantastic about God is that he didn't leave us in our state of sin. He wasn't expecting us to make a leap across the chasm between him and us. He decided to send his son over to us. And he gave his one and only son. And he lived a perfect life, Jesus lived a perfect life, and did not deserve any type of death, but yet substituted himself on the cross for us. So he takes on our sin and puts it onto himself and dies for it on the cross, sheds his blood for our sin, covering over our sin, and he forgives it. And as, as what Peter says, blots it out. So when repentance happens, we are receiving or accepting that forgiveness, okay? In Romans 5, 8, it says this, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Fantastic verse to know. That Christ died for us even when we didn't deserve it. Ephesians 1, 7 says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. It wasn't according to the riches of your good works. That's important. It wasn't that we were good. It was that God was good and that he decided to give us grace, right? Right? Colossians 1, 13 through 14 says this, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 10 says this, And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, This is, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he, then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering of sin. Here's the deal. What he's saying there is that when Jesus forgives our sin, it is blotted out. It is never remembered. It is forgotten. It is done away with. It is died for. Gone. How far? Psalm 103 tells us that. For as high as the heavens are from above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. It's not as if he holds them for, for it to deal with later. Any parents do that? I'm going to wait. <laughs> you know, we're going to deal with this later. You know, I've done that before as a parent. God doesn't do that. He blots them out. He forgets them. He forgives them. They are gone. As far as the east is from the west, it's not as if that we're going to have to deal with them one day. Jesus has already dealt with them on the cross. And so he forgives us. And that's the beauty of repentance. It's the beauty of repentance. Now, I want you to think through this because this is important because I've had numerous conversations with, and I want, I've want i had numerous conversations. Uh, we're, we're, the Church of Cane Bay is a little bit of a magnet for folks that have a, have a Catholic background. So, so there's probably several people in the room this morning that have a significant Catholic background. Either you grew up Catholic or, um, or, or something to that effect. And I want, I want to say this to you because this is important. When Jesus says that he blots out your sins, when he forgives them and takes them away, There is no more work to do. You don't have to do anything else for God to forgive you. There is no more penance. It's not as though God is waiting for you to say a certain amount of prayers. That's not in the scripture, okay? So no matter what you have been taught regarding that, God has done all of the work through his son, Jesus Christ. And there is nothing left for you to do besides receive that forgiveness, okay? So don't think that there's stuff for you waiting. There's a checklist of things that you need to accomplish for God to forgive you. That's not the case. The Bible says very specifically that God did all the work on the cross. Okay? Second thing about the beauty of repentance. I love this. Beautiful repentance is refreshing. Refreshing. It uses this language. Peter says there's a time of refreshing that will come. This is transformation. Transformation. Life can never be the same after repentance. There has to be this transformation. We are removing something. When repentance happens, we are removing sin from our lives. And it's not as though that, we are, that, are, that there's this huge vacuum or huge void in our life. No, God replaces it with his presence. So that's what it says, a time of refreshing will come through the presence of the Lord. So it's not that God is going to take away evil and then just leave you an empty mess. That's not what happens. God removes the sin from you and then fills it with himself, with the presence of the Lord. Some people think that Christianity is you you get forgiven of your sins and then God blesses you with material stuff. That's not what happens at all. We believe that the blessing of the Lord is the presence of the Lord. So it's not like you're going to get stuff like cars and houses and you know stuff like that or money or power or wealth. That's not going to happen. Now, it is going to happen that God is going to remove your sin and then replace it with himself, with his presence. And that's when transformation begins to happen, not only in your life, but it spreads throughout other people that you know, through the people that you tell, through the people that you proclaim the gospel to, that Repentance is the first start to revival inside of inside of a community, right? I have some friends of mine that I want I want you to hear their story because it's a story about the spread of the gospel because of repentance. Okay. I can't tell you their name because this is being recorded and they have some security issues where they are, but they're in East Africa and they're missionaries with the International Mission Board and uh, they serve, they've been there for a couple years now and uh, they serve the people of of, uh, East Africa as primarily Islamic or Muslim. And uh, and I can't tell you their names, but I can show you a picture of them. This is them. Uh, They're a wonderful, wonderful family and they're good friends of mine. I love them dearly. That is a snake they're holding, which is kind of fun. So, Great, great family, and they're doing really cool work there. So here's, what's, here's, here's, here's just pieces of the story that they send back through prayer emails, okay? Um, they had the opportunity, or their team had the opportunity to have a relationship with a chief of a major village there in East Africa. And uh, they, uh, that chief of the tribe actually came to be a Jesus follower. He was a Muslim, and then he heard the good news of Jesus, repented of his sin, and now is a Jesus follower, and then told that to his entire family, and his entire family gets saved, right? The chief of a town. It's fantastic news. Now, there is a group called Al-Shabaab. You might have heard of that group. They were the ones responsible for the killings of the Nairobi Mall. You might have heard about that on the news. But um, this group came to his doorstep. His wife answers the door and they said, are you a follower of Jesus or are you a follower of Muhammad? And she said, Jesus, and they shot her in the stomach. They pushed her out of the way and went and kidnapped uh, the chief and took him out, uh, beat him him and took him out of the house. Uh, For several days they didn't know where he was until he washed up on the street, tortured and dead. Just because he was a follower of Christ and he wouldn't renounce that. So then uh, his, um, they had a funeral for him in this town, which is mostly Muslim. And so the local magistrate sent 20 police officers to guard the funeral uh, from, uh, from Al-Shabaab. And they sent 20, 20 police officers to encircle the entire funeral. Uh, and then they had, there was five bystanders, just curious people who wanted to look on at what's going on. And so the pastor who was there, gave a gospel presentation, shared Jesus with that group, a small group who was there. It was a very small group who was there to grieve the chief. Ten, I think it was ten or eleven of the police officers who were there, who were sent there, became Jesus' followers, and all five of those bystanders became Jesus' followers as well. The movement of God begins to spread. The woman, the, the chief's wife, actually didn't die. She recovered from her wound, Uh, And then she she was asked, are you going to continue in your faith even though they killed your your husband and they've shot you? Are you going to continue? And she said, absolutely. Why would I ever go back? She begins to just spread the gospel to other people that she knows in the hundreds and people begin to to hear the good news of Jesus uh, and and here's here's one one of the funny it begins to spread from tribe to tribe to tribe and they begin to say things like this is one of the best lines that I heard from one of the emails it says many of these people take the message of the gospel to their villages and consistently hear the phrase no one has ever told us this before these words are so sweet uh one of, I'll just read this. One of the ladies that uh, has come to faith in Christ because of the chief's wife was a teacher of jihad in the local village. Now she has changed her message from jihad to Jesus and teaches her students the life-giving power of the gospel instead of the deadly evil of Islam. I'll just read it. It's just fun to read. Um, uh, she went to uh, a local teacher's consortium um, where she was in charge of instructing nine more jihadist uh people who teach jihad. Instead of teaching jihad, she taught them Jesus, and all nine of them came to faith in Christ. And here's the best part. Some of the members who shot the chief from Al-Shabaab went and surrendered themselves to the, to the police, giving over their AK-47s because they're now Jesus' followers. Times of refreshing. Times of refreshing will come. This gospel is real. It changes people's lives. It, sh- it moves. It's a, it's a living, breathing organism that moves with the power of God. What would it look like if it moved like that here? What would it look like if people repented of their sin in this kind of way? See, we might not kill each other with guns, but we kill each other with insults. We sin against one another with hatred and anger, with purposeless lives. We sin against each other in our marriages. And we need desperate repentance for this refreshment to come. And I know in my own life, when I don't see transformation, and this is just honest truth, when I don't see transformation in my life, the boldness of the gospel going forth, I know it's because I have sin that I haven't repented of. So I would just tell tell that to you. In your own heart, as you kind of research your own heart and say, what is going on in here? If there's no boldness for the gospel If there's no change or transformation in your own life that you get to see, that other people see, I would ask you, check your heart. Is there something that you need to repent of? Is there some kind of life transformation that needs to happen for a time of refreshing that will come? It's so positive. It's not ugly like we see repentance all the time. There's a beautiful side to repentance. It's beautiful and refreshing. And it's a picture of our future. That's the third thing. Beautiful repentance reveals the future. Beautiful repentance reveals the future. It says in Acts uh, 3.21, it's a time of restoring all things will happen. Refreshment is a small picture of uh, what will ultimately live, will live like in eternity, okay? So here's the deal. We believe as Christians that God doesn't make any junk, all right? Amen? Amen. Okay, good. So here's the deal. We think... We've been misguided to think that when we die, we're going to go up and be with God in heaven and that's where we'll live for all of eternity in the clouds somewhere. And we'll float around with little wings on our back and you know, have little harps and we might be naked, not really sure, we might have white robes on. I don't know. But I mean, that's what we think, right? That's what we think. But in reality, that's not at all what the Bible teaches. It teaches that yes, we will be in heaven with Jesus, but at the end of all times, Jesus will descend back to be on the earth And live on the earth with us and restore all things. And so he will take this planet that he created perfect in every single way that's been marred by sin. And people will repent from that. And he will restore this earth that we live on. And he will be our king. And we will be a part of his kingdom. And so when when the Bible talks about God restoring all things, he doesn't mean that we're going to throw this whole place away. He means that he's going to take what he perfectly made and restore it to its original glory and even better. And we will live as part of his kingdom. Now, every time we repent and we have forgiveness of sins, and every time we see this refreshing, when we hear stories like what's going on in East Africa, when we see stories of people repenting of their sin and coming back to Christ and coming back into the family, when friends, when, when enemies are made friends, when, when marriages are, are, are coming back together, when children who are lost are coming back home and they feel peace about themselves... When all of those things happen, those are small pictures of what our future looks like. So, when you see good things happen because of people's repentance, think to yourself this is what my eternity looks like. This is a picture. You ever wonder? You ever wonder why people are so fascinated with the British crown? Why people are fascinated with the king and the the princes and the queen? You ever wonder why people are so fascinated with that? I mean, they have no power, they can't really do anything. But, I mean, people are fascinated with this. You know why? Because we've been ingrained since our very creation to be subjects of a king. And we will be serving in a kingdom. We will be living in a perfect, benevolent kingdom for all of time. You ever wonder? I saw one of these movies the other day. You know what our favorite type of movie is? Our favorite type of movie that, you know, is a good story and it, you know, comes to like this dramatic climax of a story and it's fantastic but here's here's the story here's the movies that we really like in those last like two or three minutes of the movie it gives us these hints that there's going to be a sequel you know what movies i'm talking about right they give you that those kind of those last couple lines are like okay yeah there's gonna be another movie right and we leave the theater loving that and talking about the next story do you know why we love that We love that because our story never ends. There is always a next chapter. We are made eternal beings. We are never meant to end. There is no riding off in the sunset and everything is over. There is always a sequel. There's always a next chapter with God. And so it never ends. And we are going to live restored in a kingdom with Christ forever. But it all begins with repentance. And all of that is the beautiful side of repentance. And so when you see your sin, think about that other side. Think about the beauty of it. So here's a couple action things just for you to go through uh, this week as you kind of practice this out. I I don't want you to leave with this huge macro idea of repentance. I want you to get down and dirty with this thing, okay? So here's a couple action steps for you. Number one, these are pretty easy. Number one, ask God to reveal your sin to you. Spend some time just alone with God, okay? Spend some time alone with God this week. And just ask him to reveal your sin to you. Ask his spirit to speak to you and say, God, where, where are things in my life that I need to repent of? Where are sins in my life that I need to confess and that I need to turn around, okay? Just, just ask that question. And number two, confess your sin. Go ahead and speak it out loud. Confess it to God. You're not going to hurt him, I promise. He's already died for it, right? You might as well tell him what it is. Confess your sin. And, God, and the Bible says that he is faithful to redeem you. He's faithful to, to forgive you, okay? Confess your sins and walk in that forgiveness. You no longer, once you, are confe- once you have confessed that sin, you don't have to walk in the guilt and the shame of it anymore. It's over. It's blotted out. It's cast out. He has forgotten it. You should too. So third thing, and this is the, this is the really hard part. Protect yourself with some accountability. Protect yourself with some accountability. It's the hard part because sometimes it's honest. Honestly, it's easy to confess sin to God. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's, it's really easy to confess sins to God. It's really difficult to tell somebody else about it so that they can hold you accountable. That's why at the Church of Cain Bay we have these things called huddles, which are two or three people doing life together, meeting once a week, just discussing life and discussing the Word of God. If you're not in one of these, I would really encourage you to get into one of them because they're really important. You can come and talk to me after the service about one or you can find a missional community leader and they would love to connect you into a huddle where you're just walking with two or three people, confessing sin to one another, praying for one another, and keeping each other accountable to that. And so I encourage you, take that hard step to ask. If you're a guy, ask another guy. Hey, can we meet? Can I talk to you about something? I just want to get something off my chest and I want you to hold me accountable. Ladies, the same thing. Ask another lady to do that for you. Walk in that vulnerability and they will walk in that vulnerability with you. Okay? But you have to protect yourself in that way because it's most likely that if you don't have the accountability, you probably will fall to that same sin again and again and again until you do have that accountability. Okay? Just speak in real talk, okay? Walk in repentance this week and we'll see the movement of God and the refreshing of the Spirit. Let's pray. Um, God, we love you. Uh, Grateful for how you're working and how you're moving in our church. Uh, thankful for my friends in East Africa that uh, love you and, and give their lives, sacrificing of themselves in a very dangerous area to display the gospel. And so, God, I just ask that you protect them and walk with them. Uh, God, but I ask at the same time that even now that there are people in this room who desperately need you, they need to repent of their sin, they need to walk with you, that times of refreshing would come and that they would see that small picture of the restoring of all things. And so, God, I pray that you would convict right now the person in this room, or persons in this room that desperately need to repent of their sin, that need to walk with you. And so I ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, we're going to end the service a little bit differently today. Uh, and we're, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to have my friend Johnny Sides. Come on up, Johnny. <coughs> um, Johnny's going to jump on the stage with me for a minute. Uh, a couple months ago, there you are. Yeah, way to go. It's an athletic move. Um, Johnny came to me a couple months ago and, and said, hey, I've got this opportunity that I want to take, and I need your help with something, and so, uh, and Johnny has been a partner with us for, you know, quite a while now, several years now, he's been a missional community leader and leads in a huddle, and, and he's, uh, um, let's see, you're a, you're a veteran of the Army, right, Army, and uh, now he's a Mount Pleasant police officer, um, oh. <laughs> in, in a, uh, in, but in his free time one of the things that Johnny wants to do and feels called to do is be a chaplain at Roper St. Francis Hospital downtown uh, and so he's part of a program there that's kind of training him and one day he'll be just a full out chaplain in the hospital I'm really excited about uh, his heart for that has a gifting for that to meet with people who are uh, going through a healing process and uh, families that are struggling through the death of a family member all sorts of stuff and Johnny wants to be there with them to counsel them to walk with them and share with them the word of God to pray with them and um, pretty excited about that process. So he came to us and said, "Hey, part of this is that um, in order to do this, I have to be an ordained minister." And so I said, "Well, I don't really know how we're even going to do that, uh, and because we don't have a process for that, but uh, we kind of made a process for him. Uh, and the elders put him through some testing and things like that, to make sure that he's of good character and biblical repute. And so, um, uh, and so, we want to ordain him to the gospel ministry today by the laying on of hands and praying uh, that 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 Johnny uh, will go forth and do great ministry uh, within uh, being a." chaplain. So uh, here's um, here's uh, this uh, certificate ordina- ordination says this, we the elders of the Church of Cane Bay confirm the calling and gifts of Johnny James Sides second. It's two of you. Okay. Um, with the support of, of the partners of the Church of Cane Bay, we hereby certify him as ordained to the gospel ministry and the office of minister at large uh, on this uh, 22nd day of June 2014. So... Um, Extra large. extra large okay yeah <laughs> uh, we're excited about johnny he's he's uh you know it's a process where he is going to be going out from our church ministering to people uh and so we call that a minister at large i know that's just a term it's not because of anything that we want to tell you about uh so uh so he's a minister at large of the church and we're excited the elders uh, confirmed him in this and, we're excited and Uh, about what you're going to do we're excited about what god's doing in you and your family and we're excited about the people that you'll reach with the gospel because you you have that name tag on that says chaplain but it's so much more than that you are a missionary believer who's going to be giving the gospel to these folks who are healing and hurting and you represent our church and you represent um, represent the church in general and there'll be many times where you'll get to share the gospel with people who desperately need it at those desperate times so no pressure Yeah, Uh, thanks for what you do, honestly. So we're going to ask you to jump right down there. And Vicki, this is his wonderful wife, Vicki. Actually, Sam, why don't you jump up there too? You're part of this family as well. Uh, They're going to stand right up there, up up that way, up that way. And what I'm going to ask is, if you're a uh, covenant partner with our church, you have a signed covenant with the Church of Cane Bay, I'm going to ask you to stand up and uh, come around these folks. Uh, If you're not, that's okay. I just want you to pray with us at your seat. That'd be great. But come around these folks, jump out of your seat and, uh, lay a hand on them. The Bible calls this the laying on of hands to so do the work of the ministry. So uh, we're going to come around these folks and I'm going to lead you through a couple prayer, uh, just times of prayer. And you can uh, voice those silently. Those of you who are in your seats, I hope that you would join with us as well. Just ask God, uh, to be with Johnny, to confirm his calling to the ministry. Um, and just generally bless him in what he's about to go do. Ask God to protect him from temptation, sin, and to protect him from the works of the devil. Ask God to give him boldness to proclaim the gospel to everyone that he encounters. and pray for his family to be able to be supportive of him in his work for the ministry. God, we are so grateful for this man and his family. And I do pray uh, just for Johnny that that he would um, feel a support around him, that you're calling him to a very high calling to minister the gospel in, in a place that has a lot of hurting and a lot of pain. And I pray that he would be uh, an agent of grace and hope to people. I pray that he would speak clearly, uh, that that um, people would know the gospel because, um, because of Johnny and what comes from his lips. Uh, protect them, go before him. We commission him out, Father, as you already have. And I pray that uh, throughout the rest of his process of, of getting to know the chaplain agency, I pray that that would go smoothly and that, um, God, that you protect him and his family as they move forward. Uh, Jesus, we love you. Thank you, for, thank you for the work of the ministry. name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, this concludes everything.